This is Inanda Joy. And I'm Valerie. And we welcome you to the practice of living from your heart while finding oneness in duality. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Ding. And the angels sing. (laughs) Hello. Good morning. (laughs) Here we are. Podcast number five. Look at us. Yeah. Staying alive. Number five. I've been seeing lots of fives lately. Me too, actually. Have you? Mm-hmm. Did you see Elizabeth April's post on numbers? Yes, I loved it. It was on Instagram. Did like you? The different yeah. frequencies of each number. Yeah, in fact, uh, what day was it? Friday, maybe? I listened to Danielle Page's New Moon meditation that she had on Instagram. Was it good? It was really good. I really liked it. And then um, as I turned it off and looked at my phone, the number was 555. Aww. I was like, oh. Do you look up what that is? Yeah, it's like change is coming. Uh-huh. It's also a divine number at sensual, which was perfect because we had the new moon in Taurus, which Taurus is a very earthy, sensual sign. Yeah. But it's change is coming. So embrace change. Embrace let it flow through you and let your body, because your body is the central aspect of you, it's your senses, let your body guide you mm-hmm. in that navigating. Yeah. So I thought it was awesome. So cool. I like, every time I see numbers or patterns or the synchronicities, for me it's always a reminder of, okay, it's like it's like the angels are kind of talking to you or your spirit guides, and then it's just, it's like this little nudge of, yep, keep going, mm-hmm. keep going, we're here. So what numbers have you been seeing? I see 9-11 a lot. I've seen that for years, but it'll come and go. And I remember first seeing it actually in Maui. We were doing, I think it was one of our photo shoots we were doing out there, or it was one of our friend trips. Mm-hmm. I think it was a photo shoot. I don't remember. And it was right after 9-11 had happened. And I'm like, fuck, this means something really bad is going to happen. And But it's not what 9-11 means. And now, of course, I can't remember what 9-11 means, but it's a really positive Well, 9 support. is endings, right? That's what 9... Because you have a lot of 9 energy yeah. in I, your numerology. I am a 45-9. Yeah. Well, 4 plus 5... Is the 9. Right. So you have the life path number, which is the 45, and then you have... I can't remember the second one. Well, that... So 45 is... Adds to 9. Yeah. yeah I get that. I'm like, what are you, because you have so much knowledge, so I'm always like, wait, what do I not know? I actually just ordered a book on numerology, because I feel like I used to know some of the things, and now I don't know a lot of it, so I'm like, where's my, the beginner guide for dummies (laughs) on numerology? I need the Reader's Digest version. You can read something, and like, oh, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm like, I got to read that three times to get it to ingrain in my brain. It's same for me, and if it's something I'm interested in, it sticks better and I there's there's so much for me to learn like I would not sit here saying I'm a numerologist no but you have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things well thank you it's probably because I'm a Gemini Gemini thrives off of knowledge yes they're like the Google when I was doing my astrology classes with Danielle Page that's one of the things she's like they're like the Google they can just be like oh blah 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 it's like typing in something to Google well how's your week been I feel like I've well I've been in California but I feel like we haven't like connected much. I know. How's it been? What's I been think going because on? we have our podcast, we wait yeah. to talk more. Yeah. 
because we want to save it. <laughs> our stream of consciousness. So part of me misses our like Marcos that we do all the time. Yeah. And then I'm, but I love, I get super excited to record. Yeah, me too. My big, my week has been really good. Last week, the last few weeks, I think you and I were both in it. And mm-hmm. I know for me though, I was in it. And then something switched for me this week where I feel like, oh, I can breathe again. Mm-hmm. So that's been, that's been really good. What about you? Yeah, it was an interesting week. I was on a roller coaster. Some days were great, some days not so good. Yeah. You know, but that's life. And the new moon, I feel like the new moon was a lot of powerful stirring up energy, things to be let go. And really, the new moon is an opportunity to put your creation into form, basically, to put it out in the universe to invite it in. So I always love that practice. But. So in one of our podcasts, we had talked about talking about boundaries. And I know I've personally had a few people that are really excited to hear our mm-hmm. our experiences on that. And I felt that for me, part of my journey with boundaries has actually been first stemmed from leaving religion. And so we talked about talking about that during this podcast. Sure. Are you game? I'm game. Are you sure? My boundaries are saying yes. <laughs> That's too cute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So where do you want to start with that? What's the... Well, everybody has their story with leaving. Right. The question is, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'm going to let you choose. You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you go. Because you were really drawn to, to talking about this today. So, Yeah, it felt really good for me. And I feel like you haven't. You're like, eh. Well, it's been a long time. For yeah. me, it's been over 10 years. Um, and uh, okay, here I'm starting, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> when you, when you grow up in a paradigm such as a religion and it's Mormon, we both grew up Mormon. It is like when you're born into it, it is your entire world mm-hmm. for me anyway, everything had to fit into that paradigm like that container that container right Mm -hmm. so everything made sense through the doctrine of the church and if it didn't make sense you just shelve it away Mm -hmm. right oh someday that'll make sense I have faith or trust or yeah right Mm -hmm. which ends up being a lot of cognitive dissidence and I'm in such a different paradigm now that it almost it is a different lifetime I was so different as a Mormon than I am now. And I feel like they're both authentic because it's what I lived for 36 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And I was devout. I was all in, I was, you know, in leadership and I was in the temple at least once a month. And I was completely in that program. And then I wasn't. And coming out of that, you can describe it maybe as how the whole chrysalis with the cocoon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you come out and you're like, okay, how do I make sense of the world now? Because the the thing that I use to make sense of the world is no longer my paradigm. And so it is a rebirth. Like you have to figure out how you make sense of things. And that's actually scary and overwhelming. And Brave. especially when it is so entrenched in fear. And I feel like the three things were fear, shame, and control. Like, um, 
actually there's one more, but it's not coming right now. That's how you're controlled through the religion is through fear, shame, and oh, guilt. guilt. I mean, guilt Thank and you. shame go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get to make my own rules. Like I get to decide what's true for me. I, I get to create my own paradigm. And it's really easy to, and I did, to step into other systems and kind of use it as a religious um, substitute. You can become really religious in another thing because you are grasping onto whatever you can to make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And so like we've talked about the the swinging of the pendulum, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people do that. And you can get, a, depending on what brings you out of religion, you can get really angry because you feel manipulated. You feel like you've been lied to. You feel like things have been misrepresented. At least I did. Mm-hmm. So you can swing on this other side where you're just angry and you're hating everything about it and everyone in it Mm -hmm. and then maybe swing back the other way and then you somehow over the time find your center Mm -hmm. at least that's been my experience how many lifetimes do you think how many rebirths have you had since you left if you had to say a number oh geez four yeah maybe five for sure so you left how long ago it's been over 10 years why did you I mean, you said that you were really in it. So what was your thing of like, I can't do this anymore? Well, actually it came from, I'm divorced um, now, but at the time I was married and it came from my husband from the time who he's an avid researcher and he always had issues with some of the doctrine in the church. Always. Like some things just didn't jive with him. He didn't love the temple. He would hear things and go, that just doesn't feel right. And for me as a devout Mormon always just felt like he was not faithful enough or he wasn't, you know, it's all the not enough. Doing all the things. Yeah. Not enough. If you just go to the temple more, if you just, you know, have more heart, like Mm -hmm. if you just invest more, but with him, it just, it wasn't meshing. And so because he's a researcher, he loves to research. He just started doing research at night when I'd always, you know, fall asleep and he couldn't sleep. So he'd just start researching compiled enough information to write an 80 page paper documenting 80 pages yeah wow. and it's kind of like if you've read the ces letter it's a lot of the same information but it's all doctrine based and it's all from church produced materials which i think is really important he wasn't out there looking to discredit the church he was looking to actually find peace mm-hmm. in that faith mm-hmm. and everything he started researching just started unraveling. So he wrote this 80-page paper to get it out of his head onto paper. And then he wrote a little three, four-page addendum. And he was really worried I was going to leave him because he was at a point where he's like, I can't be out of alignment with what feels true. So his little three-page paper said, um, I'll go and support you. I'll go to be for the family, but I'm going to pick and choose what feels like truth to me and what Mm -hmm. I can live and so we, <laughs> we have five kids. We had just baptized our fourth child, and he handed me this paper. And he said, just read the addendum. Don't read the 80-page paper because I don't know that you can handle it. So, of course, who's not going to read the <laughs> fucking 80-page paper? <laughs> like, oh, I'll show you. Anyway, so I read it, and... It was so well written and so well documented and it was unbiased. It was just facts that I said I can't go back because yeah. that's who I am, hmm. right? I'm 
at that time I was very black and white. I probably am still pretty black and white, but I tried to find more of the fluidity and the gray. Um, and so my kids were like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, cause we sat them down and we said, we're not going to church anymore. And they're like, wait, what? And that began the process. Yeah. And that's when the world, like the only thing I can describe it as the world fell from underneath my feet. Mm-hmm. And then I was, thankfully I had a really good friend, a dear friend who had left a year before and I reached out to her and she helped point me to books and to mm. like, just, she was a good navigator for me until I found my footing. And then I started figuring out my spiritual beliefs and my practice. And so that was helpful. If you had to give like the reader's digest of when you left and you know, you had, you started reading books and started finding what was your truth what would you say that process looked like? Like, how did your, you talked about, you know, the pen, I think you talked about the pendulum swinging. Mm-hmm. Like, what did that, what did that look like for you? Um, well, I'm an avid reader, right? And so I just started delving into spiritual, because I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. And I, I think I realized I was really good at being religious, but I wasn't feeling a lot of spiritual connection in the church for a long time. So for my ex, his, for him, it was the doctrine. For me, it was the lack of spiritual connection. And the doctrine just kind of gave me the permission to finally step away from something that wasn't resonated, resonating in me. Um, you know, I was in the young women program, which is girls from 12 to 18 mm. for most of my adult lives. And I got to a point where I couldn't teach the lessons because they just did not resonate as truth. And I felt they were manipulative. And I felt like there were these little hidden messages that were not affirming to girls. And so I would kind of just bring, always bring it back to love because that's something I can Mm -hmm. trust and believe in. Um, So the question was, when you left the, the what the process was for me it was a lot of reading yeah um, Neil Donald Walsh was a huge um, asset for me to read his books the first one I read is conversations with God and that gave me a lot of peace because there's so much fear built into religion that if you leave like even we officially left we took our names off the records the letter we got back from the church was so fear-based mm-hmm. about we admonish you to reconsider because you're losing your eternal family. You know, your all your blessings will be lost. You're going to be, who knows? Like it was so fear-based. And so really working through that fear that is held in your body on such a deep level, like. Well, it's programmed in. It's programmed it comes in. from your family, the lineage, the yeah. DNA. Mm-hmm. And the underlining of the doctrine is mm-hmm. very fear-based. Yes, there's some beautiful pieces in it. I want to say that. There are some beautiful truths in it, and I feel at its core, it's fear-based. Yeah. And um, so processing through letting go of that fear in my body, like even just, and I lived in a, Alpine, Utah, which is this weird microcosm <laughs> in Utah. <laughs> and so even just giving myself permission to wear a tank top in public, you would think I was walking around naked. Right. Or having a glass of wine with my dad sitting next to me, you would think I had a smoking gun in my hand and I just murdered someone. Like it was all of that. So just for anyone who's listening who doesn't know Mormonism, Mormons have a gar- they wear garments when they go through their temple. It's part of they call it an endowment session. 
that is a symbolism of their religious beliefs. And so you cannot show your shoulders. So when Val talks about wearing a tank, you know she's not wearing garments. Right. And a lot of people in this area will do literal garment checks when you're Mormon and you know this person from seeing them at church and wait a minute, it doesn't look like they're wearing garments. So then it kind of creates this little bit gossip and drama. Right. Same thing with no drinking, no alcohol, obviously no drinking, no alcohol. Right. Or no smoking. Caffeine. Yeah, no coffee. No sex before marriage, no coffee. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I just want to provide yeah. it. Cause yeah, context for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, so it was giving myself a lot of permission to start being authentic because there were so many years I was just in the program. Right. And I checked my authenticity at the door, right? And I was playing the part, if you will, I was really good at playing the part. I was really good at checking the boxes. I was really good at doing all those things that you're required to do. Mm-hmm. But there was no juice in it for me. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it never, and maybe, I can't say never. There were times, I actually, there were times in the temple it was pretty powerful for yeah. me. Absolutely. Um, but as I got older and, I don't know, when you get older, you just, you give yourself permission to be more in your own skin than I think when you're younger. Um, so it was just more giving myself permission. And I had to keep telling myself the more I give myself permission to be in my own skin and live authentically, the more I'm giving other people that permission. Yeah. And that came from a good friend as well that told me that, um, you know, as you live your truth, you're giving other people permission to live theirs. Yeah. And I feel like that's true across the board, whether or not you're religious or you're not, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So anyway, how about you, Amanda? Um, I left eight years ago. You and I actually, we've known each other for how long? I was trying to think about that. I was still married. It was, it's got to be at least 10 years because we met through mutual friends John and Heidi, that's how we met. And that was when I was married and you were married. But I think I, I think I met you after we left the Mormon religion and you came to my yoga class in Alpine. I think we had already left and you guys were kind of in the process. Cause you remember you were saying you were going on the cruise. Do you remember that? This was probably towards the end of my marriage then with my first husband. Mm-hmm. Because I, what was funny with my story, so it's 2012, which was, for most people, 2012 was a really big year. It was one of those years that just kind of brings a lot of things up to the surface to look at, and then you can decide what to do with. And so I got divorced from my my husband of 11 years, that's the father of my children, and left Mormonism at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like you, I grew, I grew up in Orem, Utah, which is like, talk about the bubble of Mormonism. That's the, that's the bubble. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Salt Lake, okay. but I've been in Utah County since college. I went to BYU, so I've been here a long time. Yeah. So. Well, I remember as a kid, like my mom was a Relief Society president, and so they would have – Relief Society president is a, a woman who's over the women, essentially, in the church congregation. And her presidency would come over, and they would have meetings, and I would observe some of the conversations they would have. And I remember, even at a young age, going, I remember them talking negatively about a younger girl who had gotten pregnant, Mm -hmm. and they were so negative about her and gossipy. And I I remember then thinking, this isn't isn't okay. But I did. I played the part because it's your family's religion. It's what you're ingrained in. It's what – and the community, too, was just part of it. So I kind of dabbled – I. 
I dabbled stepping out of it when I was around 19. And that's when I was labeled bipolar. That's when I was labeled as some of these things. So I stepped back into it around then. And I, I remember sitting there and feeling like didn't I didn't feel good there. And my family, my mother, I believe it was my mom. There was people that would tell me, well, it's because you are carrying guilt for the sins that you've committed. This is why you feel uncomfortable here. And I bought into it because at the time I'm like, God, I guess I don't know. I'm not happy. Evidently something's wrong with me mentally. You know, all the, all the things. So I did when I married my, my first husband, it's so funny that I have to say first husband. Anyway, when I married my first husband, I stepped back into Mormonism and I did all the things for a long time. And I was very Mormon mm-hmm. um, to the point to where my non-Mormon friends, it would be like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll bring you over to the fold because that's what Mormons do is right. their, their whole paradigm and their mental perception of this world is to bring everyone to the fullness of the truth. And the only religion that has the complete fullness is the Mormon religion. And they're so ingrained in it. And I was too. And I remember, I can, I can still remember having that lens. And so it makes stepping out of it and seeing other people a little bit softer because I remember being in it. And so I don't blame them. Sometimes I do, but I don't blame them for choosing. I understand why they're choosing what they're choosing. I chose it. Right. But, uh, so I did all the things and I was, and I shut off really what I did is I shut off a lot of me to step Mm -hmm. into that. And like you, I was in the young women's and then, um, I taught gospel doctrine, which is a Sunday school for adults. And here's me, me who we were one of the youngest couples in this ward in our church congregation. I believe I was pregnant at the time and I'd never gone to seminary and institute. I never did any of that. Cause I always felt like some, why would I go take a class on religion and be graded on it? Like that's, that didn't resonate. So I feel like I've always had a little bit of this, you know, something felt off, but yet mm-hmm. it was still such a part of the system that I grew up in and the system that I was living in, uh, in Utah. I did move away for a while cause I vowed, I'm like, I'm not raising my children here. And, and then I ended up coming back. But as I was waking up into stepping out of my marriage, I started waking up more and more to my truth and my voice again. And in that, I started practicing, I was learning Reiki, actually. So I was starting to come more into, when you talk about that spiritual side, I was coming more into that part of me that feels so at home. Mm -hmm. And as I started doing that, I noticed I didn't have, I've never been one that needed to know all the things, like when you're talking about, your ex-husband, how he was, you know, the doctrine, the doctrine part. I didn't need to know that. And I, I, it was there as an experience. It was something that in a lot of ways I did enjoy and I loved. And in other ways, I never identified with the crucifixion. I never identified with this Jesus that was taught or even God. I never really had a strong relationship with either. I never read the book of Mormon all the way through because that's what they're, you know, the book of Mormon is kind of the crux of their religion. So here I am teaching gospel doctrine and what I loved though, is it showed me how much I love to teach mm-hmm. and that I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And even these adult people that were 20 years older than I was, like they really loved my lessons. Um, and as I'm continuing to wake up, I was teaching, I really had never had thoughts about leaving. It was just what was at the time. And I was going through so many other things like going through my divorce, ending the family, you know, that's a big 
big upheaval as it is. Yes. So it didn't even enter my mind that maybe I wanted to step out of this religion too. And I'm teaching a lesson and I go to bear my testimony and testimony for all of you who are listening. is just really, you're bearing your testimony of what you believe is true in the, in this religion that you're a part of. And it's part of tradition that you do it at the end of every lesson. So I go to bear my testimony and I, all of a sudden everything is blank and I'm like, holy shit. And the only thing I could bear my testimony in, and the only thing I knew, similar to you, was love and light. Mm-hmm. And I bore my testimony in that. And right after, and it was just synchronicity, it was synchronicity, I was released from that calling. And I had been in that for three years. Anyway, I in that moment, though, when I was bearing my testimony, I'm like, holy shit, I'm done. And I could feel this something inside me knowing I was going to something more. And this is my context of what that that looked like. But yeah, I stepped out of that. And then my mother, who religion brings her a lot of peace and a lot of joy in her life and a lot of answers, she, you know, it was really hard to hear. I was the first one in my family to step out of the con- the, this construct. Yeah. And so she asked me one day, and she was very much a temple. Like the temple was her, like if she was struggling, she went to the temple. And I... Yeah, one day she asked me if I'd go to the temple with her. And this was after I had I had stopped wearing my garments. And I'm like, you know what? I will. I'll go. And I'll go with an open mind. I'll put my garments back on. You know, this is a big decision to step out of this religion. So I did. And I went with an open mind and sat there really, really as clear of a container as I could have it with just being an observation of is this true or not? And I think this is probably the first time in my life where I really, really stepped in such a new, neutral space to really mm-hmm. ask if this mm-hmm. resonated and if, if this was part of my truth. And in the endowment session, you go in, women sit on one side, men sit on another. And at one point, they call up on people to come up and do the prayer circle. And it's always a man and a woman, and they do the different signs and things. And they ask the women to veil their faces. I've heard they no longer do this. Hmm. Anyway, but it is despite, or it doesn't matter. But at the time, the women are wearing veils and they ask the women to veil their faces. So and cover I their faces. Cover their face, yeah. yes. So I veil my face. And again, in that moment, I'm like, holy shit, I'm in a cult looking up at this thing. And what was interesting is my mom, actually, who I love her dearly and she has her belief system and I have mine and we have mutual respect for it. But she also has a lot of gifts and she knew. She knew, even though I didn't need to say anything, she knew I was done. Hmm. So in that, you know, it was definitely, I I chose out, we stopped going and, you know, for a little while it was, well, maybe I'll still go for my kids. And it was like, no, I can't do this anymore. It feels fake. Like there's something about it that doesn't feel real and authentic to me anymore. Mm -hmm. And as I went through my process, I, I remember it was probably about a year later, my God died. And that was like a holy fuck mm-hmm. where the world, like you talk about the, the ground beneath your feet just or the rug getting pulled out from beneath you. I mean, I remember just looking outside. I've had depression and things with depression, but this was a whole other layer of not only depression, but identity and mm-hmm. like how you, the lens that I had yep. is gone. Yep. And it's like everything just is dark and dreary and you don't know what is like, What's right? What's left? What's up? What's down? Like yep. it is a very challenging place to be in. And 
yet it was just part of the process. Like you're talking about most people will, will swing. I don't feel like I swung a ton in the beginning and actually for several years, my transition was pretty, um, non like I didn't have a lot of anger and I think it's because I didn't buy into a lot of the stuff to begin with. Right. Although I will say about a year ago, which was comical to me, there was this huge surge of anger around the feminine aspect of the Mormon religion and the patriarchy that I think as I've done my own personal work around my family DNA and healing some of that, that has always been a theme. And I do want to also for those, I feel like one of the things that was really fascinating for me to witness is as I have done my healing, my clearing, my whatever you want to call it, of of my process of leaving. I remember doing a shamanic session and there was binding in a co- contracts, but not only that, but in the temple work that is done, it literally binds you. It energetically binds you. So Absolutely. In, in some ways I'm like, holy fuck, like yeah. the people that started this religion were pretty brilliant. Now, do I believe that it probably started from a heart-centered place? Yes. Do I think that it's changed over the years? 100%. Do I think it's very male, masculine-dominated of here's the truth, we know the truth, and you need to, quote-unquote, I want to say obey because there is an element of that. I don't, you know, like... Well, that's what you're promising to do in the temple and when you take the sacrament and when you... And every aspect of it is to obey In fact, one of the really big pieces for me that took me a while to wrap my head around is in the temple, and I don't feel like I need to get into particulars because I have family that still believe in the Mormon church and it's sacred to them. And because of my love for them, I want to respect that. But there is a part in the temple where the women promise to obey their husbands and the husband makes their promise directly to God. And I was like, do you remember why? Wait, what? Well, yeah, because Eve had beguiled Adam by giving him the fruit of the knowledge, the tree from knowledge of good and evil. Right. So in penance for that, now she's no longer a sovereign being. She's a sinner. She's a sinner. And she, she beguiled or tempted her husband and so now she is directly agreeing to obey her husband because she no longer has the permission to commune directly with god right only her husband well yes and as she's obeying her husband she he then becomes the mouthpiece for god like can you tell me how many problems are with that (laughs) so i had a conversation with my mother pretty recently about something else. And she said that that something pinged for her and it really bothered her. Um, anyway, and she's like, yeah, they, they've changed that part in the temple too. And to me, I see it as I understand that this religion may have had a construct of starting from somewhere that was heart centered, but it is morphed into where it is yes. now, which I believe very yes. strongly is a business. Yes. Me they too. look at their numbers. They yes. have 10% tithing. I cannot tell you how much money I personally donated. Yes. That just makes me sick to this yes. day. Well, and you can't yada, go yada, to yada. the temple without paying tithing. Right. So basically you're paying your way in. Yes. Yeah. But when you're in it, you don't see it that way because you're so, this is your faith, your religion yes. and stepping out of it takes a lot of courage yes. and you bump up against things that you once believed in and family and who knows, right? you know, what it is. I, 
I, you and I were just talking about this and I felt like, I'm like, oh, I want to read this part. It's Mary Magdalene Revealed um, by Megan Watterson. And she, she says this in this book, if how we, how we see, truly see, is not with eyesight, but with a vision, a form of spiritual perception that allows us to know what's real, what's lasting, what's actually true. If this comes from within us, then no one has power over us. Yes. And that I feel like has been both you and my, I think we're very similar. And anybody who really chooses to step out of religion is choosing to step out of somebody telling me what I should and shouldn't do, what I should and shouldn't believe, who God is, what he looks like, et cetera. And um, I just realized I didn't turn my phone on airplane mode. And so something just happened. And so the video stopped. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> well, we can pause real quick. Okay, so where are you going to pick up? <laughs> I don't know. What were we just talking about? We were talking about, oh, the patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, business. We were talking mm-hmm. about. That it's a business. Dun, 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 dun. You read your quote. Yeah, so I had, about a year ago, like this anger surface of the suppression. And I think, you know, as we as we go through the different healing and actually going more inwards, I was reading something, too, that talked about how ascension isn't climbing this ladder or doing all the things it's going inward. It's going further in. And as I've done that and cleared layers, I, f- I feel like it allowed for me to really look at this piece that was sitting in front of me of, fuck, how many times did I suppress my voice? Or did I not feel like I was accepted and loved and appreciated for who I, who I was? And, and I, kn- I could see that a lot of that is because the construct of this religion that my whole family grew up in. And it was just part of it was part of what they knew. And so on that, that aspect, you give it some peace or some solace or you have some solace. And on the other side, it's like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Why is this okay? Mm-hmm. Why is it okay to treat women less than? Why is it okay to be upset if a woman wants to speak and, and share her voice and her truth? And, you know, what, what the fuck are you so scared of? Yeah. That you would have to create religion, go hide Mary Magdalene and these different women that were strong even back then. What are you so scared of? And anyway, so that anger definitely came up. But outside of that, I haven't had a whole lot of anger and and more love and compassion. Although I do think I'm going to write a book about leaving and we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. For me, it was always um, when anything would come up in the religion that didn't resonate with me, it was always there's something wrong with me. So then I'm questioning my internal voice my compass as wrong because it's not in alignment with the structure I'm living in so there's nothing wrong with the structure it must be me and I believe that's built into the religion I agree and um you can't see it when you're in it you just can't you cannot see the forest for the trees no and it was the same thing if I just read my scriptures more if I just I'm more faithful if I just go to the temple more often if I just do this then maybe it'll make more sense in my body but or when horrible things happen to you, what are you doing that that you're a sinner or you're that you called this on yourself? Oh, that's the worst part. Yeah, that the was judgment. The, yeah, the yeah. And I think for any of my, what would you share for someone who is leave, leaving or someone who's listening to this who's thinking about leaving, and what advice would you give? Just start trusting yourself. And really trust what comes up in your body. Our bodies are, that's where our wisdom lies. 
a, a teacher that I've had, she says it's your wise dome or yeah. wisdom. Really trust your body as your compass. Mm-hmm. Trust, does this feel good? And if going to church feels good and it's resonating as truth in your body, by all means, do it. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's as many paths as there are people and religion can hold a very positive thing for people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And other people, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. So I feel like the only way to navigate all of it is to be in your body and quit listening outside of yourself and trust what resonates as truth within and trust your like in Mormonism, they call it the still small voice. The problem with it is it's outside of you, right? Everything's it's the Holy ghost, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy ghost. And you only get the guidance of the Holy ghost. If you're following our commandments, mm-hmm. that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's taking a truth and spinning it mm-hmm. to keep you in. I say the still small voice is your wisdom. It's your higher self coming through your heart and is guiding you. So if it doesn't feel good, listen to it and get in your body. Allow yourself to, to start recognizing how your body is feeling. And that goes across the board, not just with religion that goes across the board with the government, with education, with friendships, with everything. Trust your body as your compass and trust that your compass is bang on. Yeah, I, I remember it. I think I was 19 and I went on a date with a guy that I didn't know. And anyway, he takes me up to this monastery, this monk monastery, and to listen to the monks chant, which I've never done. I didn't even know there was a monastery. I think it's up in Ogden Canyon. Mm. And Oh, yeah, they do silent retreats there. Do they? I had a client do a silent treat, oh, super retreat. Cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway, but sorry. we go into this place and the grounds felt holy, felt sacred. And as the monks are chanting, I, I felt emotional, like this beautiful, like, and it was similar to what I felt when I was in church. Mm -hmm. So it was confusing to me of, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. I can't, why am I feeling this here? And I remember asking that question and the answer was, well, you can see beauty in all things. It's still beautiful. And, and that's absolutely true. And it goes further than that. There is truth in all things, not only this one, one thing. And I feel like too especially because of how, in my experience, in being in religion and, and again, being in Mormon religion, you're very hard on yourself. Yes. Like you're saying, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, then you're not going to get whatever it is, salvation. You can't go to the temple if you don't abide by our rules. And pay your tithing. Yeah, it's very structured and very rigid. I don't, I don't give a shit who you are. It is rigid. Well, that's that's patriarchy, right? Yes. That comes with any patriarchal Rules, system. Container. Yes. Yeah, the feminine is definitely more what feels good. What yeah, flow. What's the emotion behind it? What, yeah. Yes. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So naturally leaving, you're still going to carry that. I think it's important to remember that this has been something you have bought into, chosen to believe, and has have practiced for however many however many years that you've practiced it. It is it is mapped in your brain. It mm-hmm. is part of your wiring. So I feel like when people choose to leave, it's it glitches them out. Yep. They're still running some of these old programs, even though yep. religion's not a part of it. The programs are still running. Yes. Why am I not good enough? What's wrong with me? Holy shit, I'm I'm now the black I've said I've always said I'm the black sheep of my family. And I used to say it with a little bit of spite to it. Now it's just it's comical to me. I am different and now I embrace it more. Mm-hmm. But in Mormonism, the black sheep of the family was the sinner, the one who was kind of put over in the corner of, eh, we don't know what they're doing, but they're doing all these things that are not acceptable in our belief system. 
So I feel like that's something that's really important and giving yourself permission to allow those programs to unwind. Yeah. Again, Joe Dispenza, I would recommend for, I don't, I don't know anyone else who's really done as much work as he has with brain programming. Do you? I don't. I'm trying to think if there's any other reference. Yeah, I don't. He's definitely, I would say the leading person. I'm sure there's been other people over the years, but he's been the one I've utilized. And I, I would actually, since we're talking about this, I wrote about this in my book. I had a relationship where he was borderline personality disorder and very dramatic and traumatic. And when I remember having a moment laying in bed one night after we had parted ways and he had left and I felt this surge of, there was a chemical release in my body. And I think because I had been reading Joe Dispenza's work, I became aware of what is this? And I instantly had the craving for drama. I wanted it. And I was as like almost to the fact to where I was going to create it somewhere with someone. Mm-hmm. But I knew that this was, I'm like, holy shit, this idea of the programs and the fact that it is releasing chemical, whatever it is, endorphins, yeah, those neurotransmitters. Feel- yes. Yeah, and the hormones. It is, it is such a real thing. So when you stop doing it, it still releases the yeah. chemicals. It still releases the hormones until it doesn't. Yep. And so I feel like... I, that's probably one of the first pieces of advice, advice I would give is be soft with yourself, recognize that you're going to start unraveling and this is more than likely what it's going to look like and you'll have possible anger, resentment. Right. right. Well, and I feel like that's that's kind of what brings up a cult is if it goes to that level where it's almost PTSD. Yeah. When you come out, it triggers a PTSD reaction where you really are feeling in trauma in your body when you're choosing something consciously that's outside of the program you've been given, it does put you into that trauma response. Um, And that's, I feel like that's a tactic of a cult. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you have, and even now, 10 years later, I've been out over 10 years, I'll have, programs come up and I'll have to say okay is that true or is this an old program Mm -hmm. and really work through it yeah you know like talking about unraveling where you said you lost your god I lost god I lost Jesus like everything everything I yeah you lost your community community a real separation from my family because all of a sudden they don't understand me and my family doesn't communicate about things. So there was never a discussion around why. It was like the elephant in the room. Um, and to their credit, they never um, pushed me away. They, we were never not welcome. They always invited us. And so to their credit, they're what, I know people that leave religion, they'll actually get um, their families will just Cut them off. disown them. Mm-hmm. You know? And we did not have that. Um, my family was always very welcoming, but there was never a discussion around it. They didn't want to understand or ask why, or it was always just the Mormon program. If we just love them, they'll come back. If Mm -hmm. we bear our testimony, they'll come back. If we invite them to pray, they'll come back. If we put their name on the prayer temple, they'll come back. If we send them religious scripture or books or movies or invite them to religious things, they'll come back because they know the truth is in them. And honestly, when you're in that paradigm, you can't see outside of it. Right. And I say that because that was my experience. You cannot see outside Mm -hmm. of it and you cannot accept any idea that it may not be true. 
You just can't. Right. Because it's you can't go there. so ingrained. It opens up a Pandora's box, though. Well, yeah. If you start if you start maybe allowing that to be true, then all it's a slippery slope. What was, uh, was it President Monson, the last prophet who said, question your questions? I don't know. There was something going around because people were starting to question more. And this idea of the shelf, which I feel like is more of a recently used thing. I'm just going to put it on my shelf, but then at what point does my shelf break? And there, I believe it was the last prophet who did talk there was a thing going around with question your questions, which is like, wait a minute, you know, doubt your questions, doubt your internal compass of saying, Hey, something doesn't resonate here. And that, that is a problem. You're wrong. That's the, that's the message. If it doesn't resonate, you're wrong. So here's that's bullshit. And can you tell how angry I am? I'm like pointing my finger. What's funny is I, 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 I would like to ask you this question. Okay. Do you, if you feel like people are awake, enough to recognize their internal wisdom to a po- even just a little bit do you really feel like they would choose to stay in religion I if it was just themselves i can't answer that because there's a thousand different reasons to stay yes you know and and i'm not here to say it's right or wrong for anyone it I'm wasn't not, right for me you know and i know that's not what you're saying that's not what i'm saying but i feel like you can consciously choose you can be awake and consciously choose to practice a religion but I feel like you have to be more liberal in your practice of it, right? Yes, and I do think, though, there are aspects that you have to shut off. You know, you can't, I do not believe, in my experience with knowing Mormonism the way it is, to be fully engaged in that and also fully be engaged in your own voice. Oh, it wouldn't work. You no. couldn't. No. And, you and can that's still more choose, what I'm saying, I think. Like, I, I have a friend, well, you, you know him too, I'm not going to say his name, um, who doesn't believe in it, but he goes to be with his family and yes. support his wife that who still does believe in it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know what I mean? Cause he's not, I agree going, with that. He's going mm-hmm. for his own reasons and okay, that's great. Yeah. And you can find truth in all things. Yeah. All things. And even just being like, I do miss the community. I, since I left Mormonism, I don't have a community. Not I had like it a that. bit in yeah. the yoga world. But um, I don't have community, and yeah. I miss it. Yeah. That's one of the beautiful things with Mormonism. Like yesterday, a friend of mine just moved, and she bought a trampoline from my partner, and ten men showed up to pick up that trampoline. And those ten men are, I'm sure, in her local congregation that are showing up to help, yeah, because that's what they do, and that's beautiful. That's beautiful, right? That aspect of it, I think, is really a beautiful thing. And I do feel like from people that I've known that have left, that's probably their hardest piece is the community. Because like you said, not only do you lose God, Jesus, all these things, but the community and that support, especially if you don't have support out of it, that that is a very, that's very hard. Yeah. The other thing that was helpful for us is that friend that I mentioned earlier that had left a year earlier, she and her husband had left. They started um, pulling together a group of people that were all about the same age, all leaving the church about the same time. So we had a common background. We had a common experience. We were asking the same question. So we did create a community in that group of friends. And that was huge. Mm -hmm. It was huge. And in a way, too, it was like... <laughs> the teenage years where you never partied, you know, all of a sudden <laughs> we're like, opens up. Oh, I'm interested in wine. Let's let's have a wine group where we're learning about wine. Then it just came to, okay, this is just fun. Let's just get together and drink, yeah. you know, and celebrate friendship. So 
Um, but that was a really good resource uh-huh. um, to have people that understood what I was going through that I could talk to about. And because then when you start questioning yourself, like, is this crazy? You hear someone else saying the same thing that you're feeling and then you go, oh, I'm not, not alone in this. Mm-hmm. And someone else understands what I'm going through. So you're not completely alone. I think that's really difficult for those who don't have any sense of support going through that yeah. process. I do. I agree. And I, as you're talking, it's like, you know, I actually did have a really good friend at the time before I even left Mormonism that started sharing part of her story for why she left. And it did start in the back of my mind, started making me go, hmm, maybe. So I did have some of that when I said that I didn't really, I didn't really, it wasn't like a, I've been thinking about this for a while, right. like, like your ex with writing a paper. It wasn't right. that, but I did have. And then um, I remember, I can't remember who said it to me at the time, but the idea of really putting anything that you're wanting to experience out into the universe, i.e., I am asking for a new community to show up mm-hmm. or I'm asking for a like-minded friend to show up and then allowing yourself almost like in my mind, I imagine it looking like a door. I'm asking this door to be open and for this to happen and, and come into my life. And I feel like every time I've done that, I definitely have had something in that form. Yeah. Show yeah. up. That was another huge book that helped me in that transition was The Law of Attraction by Abraham Hicks. Mm-hmm. And if you do, if you haven't heard of the book, Abraham is a channeled group of beings through a woman named Esther Hicks and her late husband, I can't remember Jerry. His, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, but they she primarily would channel them and talking about the law of attraction. And really that was probably my first step into understanding my God self and how I am the ultimate creator of my experience um, came from that book. So that was another really powerful um, tool for me to navigate that really tough time. It was really tough, especially like, and the other hard thing was my kids, Mm -hmm. like, you know, because I lived in Alpine, Utah and it was such a part of their social structure like the two streets that made up our local congregation called a ward, there was one family, maybe two family that were not LDS. Yeah. And if you, if you don't know the Mormon culture, if you've never been LDS, it's a different experience than if you've left the church. Mm-hmm. If you, be, if you were LDS and then you chose not to, it's almost like a shunning happened. And yeah. that is what happened to us. There are, there are parents in the ward that were no longer welcoming no they would welcome my children to their house but their children were no longer welcome at my house again a lot of fear yeah so much fear and it was really hard for me because to me I'm like I'm still the same person and I'm not you know and I understand the fear paradigm um there was another family bless our hearts that their son was the same age as our son that just got baptized and every Sunday they would call and invite him to church and his sweet little heart. Oh, he's, he's 18 now, but his sweet little heart, he had this special experience of getting baptized and he got up yeah. and bore his testimony. And then the next Sunday, his parents were like, we're not going to church again. He's like, wait, what? You know? And so he's oh. trying with an eight year old brain yeah. trying to make sense of it. So he would go to church every Sunday with his family by himself um, bless his heart. And then one day he was just like, 
nope. Yeah. You know, so there was space for him to figure that out on his own. And I feel like if we had stepped in and said, absolutely not, his personality would have been, well, I'll show you, I'm going to go to church every Sunday and I'm going to go on a mission and I'm going to be, you know what I mean? Like he's going to push back. Um, so allowing him the freedom to navigate it himself. Okay. If you want to go, it's all right. But really, that's how we should be in general with our children. Like, oh, what feels that. true to you? And I feel like I navigated that with that way with my kids. They were young, but then their dad, we got divorced. He became more Mormon when we got divorced, which was comical to me. But, you know, mm-hmm. teach their own. Mm-hmm. And so the kids would go to church every Sunday with their dad. But when they were with me, we didn't. We practiced other things. We practiced meditation or we play with energy balls especially when I was really getting more into that and now we don't have a religion so what are we going to talk about and I would start going more to the spirituality and um, I'm trying to think how young my kids were I think my youngest was three so they're pretty little similar in some ways to Mm -hmm. your kids yeah my youngest was four so I would just I would posture questions to them when they did go that's awesome you know what did you learn in church and they'd love to share and it's like oh that's so great and did it feel true to you? I would start asking those questions yep. of just because it's an adult telling you something doesn't make it true. Right. And you get and to okay question. it's okay to ask the questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you get to question your, in yourself, like you're talking about, at a young age, can I teach my kids to not just go blindly and follow blindly because there's an adult telling them something? I don't care if it's church, if it's school, whatever it is. I want them to have their own internal compass. Yes. And if I can help them when they're younger in that, fantastic so can we have a different kind of spiritual practice and in the beginning we kind of did but really our god in the beginning Sundays were like holy cow we get to sleep in and we you know because it used to be work even though it was a spiritual experience it was still work you got you get ready at a certain time everybody needs to look just right if you're teaching there's a lot of stress that goes into that so Sundays were never super relaxing they were family days which was positive but they were, I, now you take that out and you're like, oh my God, I get to relax on Sundays? Yes, please. I can do whatever I want yeah. on Sundays. I can go to the lake. I can go to the mountains. They can do whatever I want. Yeah. Hell yeah. And my kids, it took them um, several years, but they started feeling more and more uncomfortable at church. Yeah. And that's all they could really say is that they just didn't like it there. And so as me giving them permission to have their voice, they started getting more brave with that with their dad. And eventually to the point to where my oldest was like, dad, I'm not going like, I don't like, and he pushed back for a while because again, and the, when you have that hat on that, that perception of this is, this is what we do because this is, you know, we do it because of whatever I'm fumbling over my words right now. It's difficult when your children, yes, it's obedience. We obey. Yeah. Yeah. And so when your child who's 15, 16 is saying no. Yeah. In fact, one of the most um, (laughs) disturbing primary songs, I believe the primary songs are brain control is follow the prophet. Yeah. Because it's at a very young age imprinting in their little brain. He knows the way. Follow the prophet. Follow the prophet. He knows that he won't lead you astray. He He knows knows the the way. way. Yes. Ugh. Anyway. That is one of the fascinating things. When you go back to when you've left and you've had enough space 
apart from it and then you step back in and you can go in with an observation mind it is fascinating and really frustrating to go holy shit I loved these hymns or I loved singing the primary songs and you're like what the fuck were we singing and what is I buying into like you say it's like when you're in it you're in it you cannot see you cannot see outside of it right right yeah it was anyway it's sad in a lot of ways it is and I guess I I've been out long enough that it it was a big part of my life, 36 years. Yeah. And I am who I am because of it. In a lot of ways, I lived a long time not being who I am. Like at my roots, I'm a heretic. I like to question. <laughs> I like to push back on structure and the like. I like to push back on the box that we get stuck in. That's who I am naturally. And for so many years, I didn't do that because it was part of being the good girl. Like that, that was my identity. Even in my family, I was the good girl. I was the good child. I had a couple sisters who were the black sheep because they were more rebellious. And so I found my identity as being the obedient child. And I lived that for a really long time, but I was so unhappy. Yeah. You know, I was so unhappy for a really long time because it just kept, so we, so we're going to talk about, but boundaries, it bumped up on my boundaries of who I am, but yet it wasn't the problem of what was bumping up. It was my problem. And that's probably the biggest thing that I keep coming back to is it was, I was wrong. I was wrong every time there's something wrong with me. Right. It was never question what doesn't feel right. It was like question yourself because it doesn't feel right. And I feel like that's evil. That's evil. Well, and I think that that probably is the most frustrating thing when you're dealing with a family dynamic of you stepping out of it and yet you still have a close um, family tie somehow. Like you're saying, some families cut cut people off. I, I didn't have that experience either. However, it was still... It wasn't talked about. I did have one brother who jokingly made the comment that, oh, you'll be back. And I said, no, I won't. And it was this back and forth. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Oh, yeah. And laughing. Yes, you will. Why why on earth do you think you won't be back? And my response was, because I don't believe the God that you believe in. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe we're all gods. Mm -hmm. And at that, it was like, well, that's a really egotistical thought, isn't it? You know, that was the response. And that was the extent of the conversation of why I left. There was never, nobody ever asked. And again, it's that fear of, well, shit, I don't know if I want to know. Because A, I think you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And in my filter, like you were saying, most families will believe that they have to come back and it starts questioning their religion. My mother, I know, had to go through, what does this mean if my child is not choosing into this and now has had her records removed? I remember the one of the lunches that we had, I met her for lunch and she's like, do you believe in God? And I said, no, at least not in the way that you did. And then she cried. You know, I, I you're creating pain too in yeah. your family members. And so it, it brings up an interesting dynamic of, it's almost like leaving a relationship, but still having a relationship with these people and how to navigate while holding into your boundaries of, okay, this isn't okay for me anymore to be living this part of me that feels like a lie. Yeah. And your family's holding so strongly into it in their belief system. And the irony is 
now that you're out of it, you can see with a new lens and you have the lens of where you were. Right. You did, you were, you can remember what it felt like to, to be in the forest and now you're seeing it outside. And so now you have both perspectives and instead of most people, most family members, in my opinion, they, they can't necessarily go and go, Oh, I, if they were to say you're right in what you're choosing to do for you, it would question their belief system. And there is a whole other, I was going to go on something. I was going to say something else and it's completely lost. So I guess I'm not supposed to say it, but Uh, yeah, I remember, um, probably two years or maybe a year after we stopped going, my niece, the oldest grandchild in our family got married in the temple and she invited us to come. They lived up in Washington. So we went up to go and we sat outside because if you're, if you're not an active member of the church, you don't get to go into the temple. And that includes weddings, you know, some of the most important celebrations in life right. you're excluded from now. And so we sat outside and it was fine. We had our kids and of course we're feeling like there's a loss. Yeah, you feel a loss because Mm -hmm. you're all of a sudden um, excluded from family. And when they came out from the temple after the sealing ceremony, that's what Mormons call it when they get married, they're sealed together. Um, When they came out, my dad just gave me the biggest hugs and he was devastated. Right. And he said, it breaks my heart that you're not in there with us because It's taught, and his belief is, that is the only place you can be an eternal family. So Mm -hmm. by us choosing not to participate, we are choosing out of our family. Like, to me, that is so insidious. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I don't believe that to be true. And the pain, the real pain, it causes family members when other family chooses to leave. It's real. Right. And I was... I cried because of his sadness, and I also was angry at the lie. I was angry at the lie because I don't believe that to be true. And there's a lot of duality in, like, with what you're talking about. There's so there's such a dualist, dualistic perspective there. Because from your perspective, and I've been in the same shoes, of you feel pain at the loss that you are now excluded because mm-hmm. you're not following the rules and you're choosing out of this dogma that teaches that the whole principle on this dogma is family oriented Mm -hmm. and that's the whole reason why we're here is to get a physical body and to be together with our families forever and in fact that's their sales pitch yep of this is you know choose in and buy into this religion and then you'll be sealed together with your family for all eternity and yet you're now outside of this so you're now excluded and they feel the loss because now you've chosen out so there's this interesting it it is in some aspects it's really fascinating I mean there's so much emotion Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. and I guess my question then to you especially if somebody's in this dualistic where have you found your center well and I was I was thinking about that um as we've been talking because there is a lot of polarity here for me, it's it's taken a while and it's been a journey, but really, truly accepting that there's as many paths to God as there are people, and religion is a path, and it's not all bad. It can be. There's a lot of good people that have deep religious beliefs, and they get to live life that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not over here saying my way is the only way. I'm saying this is what worked for me. And if that works for you, 
that works for you. Right. You know what I mean? So it's not an either or anymore. Like when I was in religion, I fully believed this was the only truth. Mm-hmm. And my so job in that paradigm was to convince everyone of the truth of it. What was the story if you didn't? Do you remember? If, if you, you didn't, didn't if you didn't try to convert this one person oh, and fault. you go on the other side it'd be your fault. and they look at you and they say there's a lot of emotion and manipulation. Yeah. It'd be your fault. Yes. Yeah. And the other manipulation is like with parents if their children choose not to participate it's the parents' fault. Right. Right? Their their children are part of their identity. What did they do wrong that their right. child's choosing to the do this? The parent failed somehow. So in, in, in saying this, I do feel like it's important to also recognize then families and parents who have been raised and grown up and, and chosen, chosen to raise their children in this dogma, while they've been brainwashed in the religion, they're also repeating those same things to their children. You follow me. You do what I tell you to do. Don't have your voice. Don't push right. back. Don't da 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 right. da da da. And for me, you can kind of understand. You get why they're choosing to do that. That's all they know. Yeah. Well, and it's their belief system. Yes. It's their job. That's what the, God will only accept them if they do that. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I think, like for me, after we left or as we were leaving, I never tried to convince my parents or my family. My mm. reasoning. I didn't need to. They were mine. I didn't need to sit there and tell them they were wrong. Right. I didn't need to sit there and bring them to the light of why religion is is wrong. I never did that. I didn't either. In yeah. some ways, it'd be hypocritical, I feel like. Well, I feel like when I talked about the pendulum swinging, that's what happens. Like, you jump on the other side of the fence, so you're instead of being in the religion over here saying, we're right, you're all wrong – you flip over to the other side and you're out. So I'm right. And anyone who's in it is wrong. That's where that the anger piece I feel like yeah, comes in that a lot of people. It's just the same thing on the different side of the fence. Right. So that's why this, it's hypocritical. It's yeah. like you're doing and the same thing just in a different context. Exactly. And it's part of the process yes. too. Right. It is. It's part of the process for some people. Right. Um, because so, that was not my experience. So yes, for some yeah, people. Yeah, for some people. Mm-hmm. For some people. And for me, it really wasn't ever about the doctrine. It really wasn't. Like, it was nice to... That was the the way out, but it wasn't my why. Right. My why was it just didn't resonate as truth within me. It just didn't. But I don't need to go then tell my parents why it shouldn't resonate as truth for them. Yeah. Because it brings them joy. It gives them community. It gives them a sense of purpose. I don't know all their reasons, but they're still active in the church. Yeah, and they- so I don't need to sit here and judge them or tell them they're wrong or invite them to yoga festivals or, you know, whatever right. my belief system is. I don't need to do that. And I haven't, I haven't ever done that, yeah. you know? So I, I feel like finding a place of respect for wherever anyone is and whatever they're choosing. I have a son who does um, black metal. Mm-hmm. He's a bass guitarist and he does black metal. And I don't know a ton about metal. All I know is black metal is like, the blackest of the metal and his band is called Tuma Belial, which is very satanic. Yeah. And I've gone to his concerts to support him. And to me, that's his shadow work. He's up there. Like he's the screamo. He's screaming into the microphone, (laughs) you know, and he's amazing what he does. I don't agree with all of it, but I love my son and I support him and his beliefs. And as long as he's not hurting anyone, right. I will be there 100% to support him. 
Yeah. Now, if he starts getting into rituals that start hurting people, I won't be able to support that. Right. But why can't he find his expression in the world that resonates as truth for him? That's how I find center is as long as you're not hurting anyone, you should be free to express yourself and your beliefs and your convictions in whatever way you want to. But if it starts hurting other people, that's where it needs to be looked at, right? Or restricting other people. That's um, the other thing. I agree with you, but I would, I would, this is what gets tricky because you would have some people that would say that families who choose to raise their children in a dogma like Mormonism or anything else, anything else that is restrictive is hurting people, just depending on filters. Yes, and because I'm a big picture person, right? Yeah. We talked about this in the first episode. I really believe we choose in before we come into life. We choose in. And whatever we choose in, we choose in for our growth. So you have to get out of victim mentality. To, oh, my leg is asleep. You have to get out of victim mentality in order to go there. Mm-hmm. And if it's part of your path... Well, it must be part of your path if you're living, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. when you get older, you have a choice. Uh huh. You have a choice. You have a choice at any age, and that's depending on the family system. But I agree with that, and I do, especially in my experience. For a while, I it gave me solace and peace to know I chose into this box so that I would know how to break out of it and what it feels like to be out of it, both in and out of it. And now. Like you and I both have that that framework, that context and in our own personal practices and the people that we work with, then we can now be, you know, people that help others. Like we were helped with our mm-hmm. you know, we can help with other people that are choosing to leave and what the fuck do I do now? And how do I is this normal? Is this okay? Is you know, in some aspects, because of Mormonism and telling and any religion really telling you that, you know, oh, you're good. You're like when you were wanting to be, you were the good girl. So you got praise, you got recognition, you got attention more than likely from being that. Oh, yeah. And I got leadership roles. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So stepping out of it, you almost need somebody still. It's almost like, okay, just tell me, tell me I'm, I'm, okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> like, please just somebody tell me that this is, I'm totally not off my rocker and losing my mind. And even to this day, I still feel like I need that. And part of that's just a human wiring and condition, I feel like, of well, just... You, I feel like you need it until you don't. Until yeah, you get I agree. so centered in your sovereign self. It doesn't matter. Because your sovereign self doesn't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. I, honestly. I agree. And that takes layers. Because I feel like I've worked through through layers of that. But I, I feel like, um, for me too, the same thing with finding center one of my ways of finding center has been boundaries. And I, that, um, hopefully it'll feel good to do that next podcast. Val and I had an intention with starting this, that we wouldn't have anything really scripted or planned out. Um, but this felt to do. So I would love to talk about that next podcast. If you're game with boundaries, cause I feel like that's how I find my center is boundaries. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah mainly because there's a lot of things that won't change and they'll never change. But the only thing that can change is us. So how we react. Everything changes when we change. Yeah. 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 And you know, with, I remember one Sunday we do family dinners every Sunday and part of it, my dad passed away. And so it's a big, my mom loves having her family together. That's her biggest gift. Mm -hmm. I feel like in this world and the thing that we can give her 
And so, of course, I want to give her that. And, of course, I want to show up to family dinners. And, and family, there is this beautiful – family is beautiful. And, again, here's a paradox of what am I choosing to create for my family? What example am I doing for my children to create a context? And then here's also my extended family of my siblings and my mother. So there's a little bit of a paradox on how do I navigate. So we're sitting at family dinner, and all my family knows I've left. And my brother, my oldest brother, you know, is supposed to call on somebody to say the prayer, and he calls my name. This is my favorite. <laughs> this was one of my moments where I'm like, oh, I'm stepping definitely more into my shoes. And um, he asked me to say the prayer, and I said, sure, Jim. Well, who would you like me to pray to? Mother Jaguar? <laughs> and, er, like, the look in everybody's on everybody's face was like they were laughing because it was so mortifying. And my mom quickly, like, called – after the, you know, maybe five seconds, it's like, hurry up and call somebody else. Yeah. Because no, what example no. <laughs> is she sending? Because she's going to pull people away, you know, whatever it is. Yes. And, you know, to each their own. But that was definitely a breakout moment for me where I had courage to be like, great, let's, you know, Mother Jaguar, who is it that you want me to pray to? And it was it was definitely one of those moments. And I'm sure you've had moments, too, where it's like, oh, that was brave of me to do that. And it felt really good to do that. It took me a long time, took me a long time to feel that brave. I'm still practicing how to be that brave. And again, though, there's boundaries and this gets, this is a tricky topic of boundaries. So it'll be its own podcast. Mm -hmm. So normally we have an ask at the end of, do you feel like we've, I think, feel like this has been long. We're probably good to wrap up. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Do I could like keep talking, else? or I could I be done. <laughs> I, I guess um, the ask, and I want to come because it's so important to me to come from a place of deep respect for wherever you are in your belief system. This isn't about uh, trying to say it's right or wrong one way or another. This is sharing our experience. Um, it is an invitation to really question your why. Why do you do the things you do? Do you feel it in your body? Do you feel it? Do you do it because you're told to? Do you feel it because it feels like truth? Do you feel it because it's just what your family does? It's a tribal belief. Do you feel it because you don't know any other way? And just really question your why. What is your why for what you do in your life every day? And do you even know why? I didn't know. I didn't know for a really long time. My why when I was choosing into religion was what it's scripted to be. In fact, here's a question too. I love what you're saying. And I think that that's the ask for sure. But I remember having an energy session with someone. He was Mormon too. But he was a little bit of that dabbling outside of it. And there were some experiences that I had that I'm like, shit, how does this, how does this fit into the, the box of my religion? And he said, in one sentence, tell me what your belief is. And I started rattling off, well, I believe, jo- you know, Joseph Smith to be a true prophet. And no, what is your belief in one sentence? And what it came down to was love. I believe in love. That was it. That was the core of why I was choosing into what I was practicing in that but then it actually made me start questioning wait a minute is this love so I I have always kind of questioned and so your ask of why 
What why, is your why? Why am I choosing into this? I think is a big, it's a little ask and it's a big ask. If you're brave enough to ask that question, I think this is a beautiful, a beautiful ask. Yeah. And the important reason for it is if you can figure out your why, then you, it becomes a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Religion was handed to me. I was born into it. It was what my family did. It was what my tribe did. I grew up in a very predominantly Mormon area. It's the tribal belief system I was given. And in Family Constellations, we talk about um, the tribal belief versus the individual belief. And what happens is there comes a time when your individual belief bumps up against the tribal belief. And when you choose to follow your individual belief, you lose your place of belonging. And you go against tribal law, right? Yeah. yeah. And belonging is one of our root needs mm-hmm. as human beings. Yeah. We need to belong. It's in that survival instinct in our root chakra. We only survived if we had a place of belonging. So when you challenge your place of belonging by stepping out of your tribe and saying, my personal belief is more important to me than following what the tribe does, you are out of the tribe. And then it's a weird place to be because all those survival things come yeah. up. And it's, it's hardwired in our DNA. It's hardwired in there that we need to, we need a tribe to belong to. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that's like why I went to yoga. And then I, you know, you start trying on all these different tribes of where do I belong? Because I don't belong over here anymore. And then the process of finding your why, okay, I found a way I can belong in my family without holding the same belief. Yeah. Because I do belong. I belong in my family. I was born into it. And mm-hmm. I don't have to believe the same things. Yeah. But when you find your why, it helps you step into your sovereignty, into yourself, and into your own skin in a conscious way. And when you know your why, you can live consciously, then I'm just in a program. I'm just going along with this program. Mm-hmm. And then I believe truth changes. We change and truth changes, right? Because mm-hmm. my truth was Mormonism for a long time. And our whys kind of drive that change. So yoga for a long time was my tribe. It was my spiritual practice. It was my way into my body. And then as that truth changed, because I changed, oh, there goes my belonging again. Now I'm over here again. Where do I belong? You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's this continual process of death and rebirth, death and rebirth, Mm -hmm. death and rebirth, which I love in the, you you opened a, a circle for our, podcast today with a shamanic practice and that's you brought in that process of death and rebirth and that's change the life death life cycle yeah and and unless if we get so stuck that we cannot let go of something we're out of that death and rebirth cycle Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that was beautiful thank you yeah thank you so there's your ask if you're brave enough because it does take brave being brave and courageous why are you choosing into whatever it is you're choosing into? Why are you doing the things that you're choosing every day? Yeah. Yeah. And again, the only right answer is the answer you come up with. Right. And it's, for me, if it comes from inside of you, you can trust it. Yeah. So. And sometimes it takes a while to get that answer inside, especially if you're so used to something outside. So take the time. 
take the time to really find what that why is and and then trust yourself mm-hmm. with whatever it is knowing that at any time it can change and you can choose you at every moment we can choose choose mm-hmm. again choose mm-hmm. differently choose something else yeah i think a powerful practice when you start questioning like things that come up is this true mm-hmm. is this true does this is feel this true? true is this true and just keep getting down to the very root belief you know of what is driving that is yeah. this true and if it's a yes it's a yes and if it's an i don't know it's an i don't know and it's okay yeah it's okay to be in the unknown mm-hmm. yeah yeah awesome kai Sending you all lots of love today. And we are in a huge period of change in so many things. Um, One thing that I wanted to share from the new moon circle with Daniel Page, she's an astrologer, and she said the new moon in Taurus, which is very earthy, inviting us into our bodies, um, Tauruses do not like change. It's conju- <laughs> Unless it's their idea. Yeah. It's conjunct Uranus, which is a planet that likes to shake things up. Mm-hmm. And shaking things up is going to create change. And I believe we're in a process of a lot of changes. And we're not going to go back to what was normal ever. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have to require a lot of embracing change and really navigate it through your body There's so many things out there right now that is saying it's truth, that's saying it's science, that's saying it's what you should do, this, that, or the other. Bring it into your body and trust what your body is telling you and then allow yourself to follow that through the changes that are going to be coming up because it's it's inevitable. Yeah. Agreed. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. Have a great week. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for joining us today and spending some of your valuable time with us. We hope there was something that you gained in your awareness that you can now share into the world. Remember, you are a divine creator. So what are you creating today? Come check us out on Instagram, Finding Oneness and Duality. We'd love to hear your feedback. We would just love to hear from you. Please feel free to come check us out. Relationships are two-sided, so come be the other side. Finding.oneness dot in dot do <laughs> it's too long <laughs> thank you so okay you gotta stop laughing <laughs> oh you even got it okay you had to pull that in <laughs> laughter is good for the soul all right squirrel <laughs> okay